This, 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 this is mythical. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, friends. We did want to let you know before listening to this week's episode of Best Friends Back All Right, we will be talking about fitness, nutrition. If any of those things are triggering for you, please take care when listening to this episode or go ahead and listen to one of your past favorites or skip ahead to the next episode. Thanks. Welcome to Best Friends Back All Right, the show where two high school best friends try the best friend thing again. I'm Nagin Homoyfad. And I'm Stevie Wynn Levine. And today we're talking about fitness. Ooh, oh, yeah. feel the oh, burn. Yeah. Feeling the burn. I'm wearing my cutoff sweater. You look good, girl. Like your muscle, <laughs> your arm muscles look well. defined and <laughs> ready to podcast today. Trained by Phil. More on that later. But today we are having Phil Cacciadel, fitness coach, trainer to superheroes like CW Stargirl, oh. Bond villains like Billy Magnuson, mm. and objects of desire like Sarah Shahi. Okay. Good, evil, and sexy. Good, evil, and sexy. And of course, regular people like me and my husband. You're not so- regular. <laughs> Please. You're a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really excited because we are just like in this middle of the middle of two intense holiday season or two holidays where I feel like there's just so much excess yeah, and a breakup of routine and all of the stuff that for me always is like a signal of like, okay, how do I want to stay on track with my life? Yeah, there's like a date that you pick, uh, you know, like now maybe a week before now no two weeks before this episode comes out where you're like i can give up for the rest of the year right like that's acceptable and then it gets cold outside and like every part of the environment is telling you like it's okay to give up everything's fine and then you do a spiral you feel bad about yourself um (laughs) how do we avoid all that that's i think top of mind for you and i Uh, (laughs) that is speaking of cold is it getting cold in la right now I mean, define cold. You know, it's like it was yesterday. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know context to give to when this releases, but it, you know, it was like mid sixties, lower seventies, a oh, little chilly, no. a little chill in the air. <laughs> you know, I'm very jealous. It's here. It's in the forties here. It's like the mm. type where when you go outside, nippy. it's it's more than nippy. I'd say I've got to wear a bra now. Like I could, go, oh, I got through most me. of the summer. Must just be nice, like free in the nipple, and now it's just too cold not to wear a bra. Okay, so. well, I hope there's no chafing. <laughs> I don't know. I saw a marathon clip the other day on TikTok, and the guy uh, had to take off his shirt because of nipple chafing, because they were and that's bleeding. and I just that's what I took away from the marathon clip was not like you can do it too. It was like don't run a marathon, you will <laughs> chafe, chafe your nipples. Okay, I have a question, and maybe maybe Phil can eventually answer this, but I've only ever heard of men um, with chafed nipples and their nipples bleeding or cracking. Hmm. I've never heard of a woman. 
Because we don't talk about it. I don't Is know. That I've right? never. No, I have no idea. I've never had. Well, luckily, I've never had chafed nipples before. I've never done enough physical exercise <laughs> to have chafed nipples. I mean, maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's what we need to be asking ourselves. Have we not done enough for chafed nipples? Exactly. Yeah. And maybe this is the perfect time to have Phil join us to answer this very important question. <laughs> that's of, what, can that's women's what nipples you're putting bleed? on him. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Phil. Like hey, it. Phil. Hi. Yeah. What, a, what an intro. What an intro. It took all my willpower to not, I was like trying to, I feel how SNL people must try to like withhold cracking up through the whole intro. I'm like, they're going to hear me. Oh, you are so generous. Too generous. Yeah. Too generous. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm here for the nipples. I'll tell you what, I, I have four children, none of which I have breastfed, but uh, their moms haven't. Talk about fucking, uh, can I say that? You can say fucking. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, nipple problems, man. So yeah. Okay, so nipples do chafe. Oh, they, they chafe, they bleed, they crack. Like okay. in mama in mama world, that's one thing. I would okay. say I've had I've never had clients or women I trained some marathoners um tell me about running. But mm-hmm. I feel like maybe like double strap it down, double sports bra. I mean okay. when, yeah. when you're running long, you got even if you have like small breasts, you gotta like friggin' like yeah. and I think some of them mm. tape up tape them down, maybe. Yeah, there's oh, there's wow. Google for that, I feel like, you know. <laughs> yeah, because that's an issue. That's an issue with the bloody nips are no fun. I love I love when your wife listens to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> She's just gonna be like, wow, right from the start, you're talking On about blast. my crackly yeah. nipples. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful nips. <laughs> beautiful this is one of the nips. things that I loved about Phil. One of the so just a little backstory. Zach and I started training with Phil sometime in 2021. And right out the gate, I just loved how much of an open book he was. Like we could ask him any question as many times. There was nothing that was too inappropriate or too out there to ask. And I felt like that was one of your most amazing qualities as a trainer is that it felt like there was no judgment for any of the questions that we had, which is so fantastic for this show because we really do love <laughs> to ask whatever comes to our mind and whatever comes to our friends' mind who have asked Thank questions. You. Our friends is so <laughs> our friends is do you have trouble saying words that have like you know when you have a plural word with the apostrophe at the end? I think broadly I have trouble saying words sometimes. Uh, so <laughs> Just friends period. is good. Yeah. I like friends. Friends, friends, friends sounds incredibly incorrect. Phil, can I tell you I um you know, when Nagin first proposed that you come on the show, she said, my trainer and Logan and I both heard, well, at least I'm speaking for myself, heard that she Dear wanted God, to no. have, no, heard that she wanted to have someone named Mike Trainer on the show. <laughs> and so we were uh, like, okay, we don't, know, husband? we don't know who oh Mike Trainer is, but yeah, we'll put that on the list. And so then, like, oh, when you've been good. scheduled to to come talk to us, it is taking all of my concentration <laughs> not to call you Mike and to call you Mike Phil. Mike Trainer. I, I oh consciously gosh. have to call you Phil and not Mike. It's the weirdest brain thing. I love that. You could, like, save me in context that way. Mike, Mike Trainer. Trainer. <laughs> Mike Trainer. Oh, man. An alias. 
I'll take it. Yeah, anyway, so our friends is, uh, did submit, <laughs> I would say, the most questions for any expert we've had on the show. Yeah. Uh, as Ooh. soon as I tweeted about it, we have a whole host of questions for you, a lot of which you cannot answer, so we won't be asking you. <laughs> but but there, there are a number of questions that I think uh, broadly apply to people listening that I'm excited to get the answers to. And then just some questions from the two of us. Because it's our show. I mean, yeah, yeah. We gotta ask Guys, about ourselves. We're allowed to God. be selfish. Put ourselves first for once. God. Well, okay. I'm. I'm. I will say, DV and I talked about this, but I will speak for myself. I have not been fantastic about going to the gym for the last two months. It has been. It has gotten colder. I have. The gym is no longer in my building. I have to walk <gasps> ten minutes to get there. Uh, and I'm just feeling a general lack of motivation. Um, but knowing that you were going to come onto the show this week has made <laughs> me feel so motivated, especially this week, to go to the gym, to, you know. So you have gone to the gym this week is what you're saying? I've gone to the gym three times this week. Dude, Ooh. I got on the Peloton you twice did? already this week there because we of this For episode. So this is the thing. Accountability, I feel like, has so much to do with establishing a routine. But I would love for you to talk a little bit, Phil, about what it's like for you. What do you rec what you recommend to your clients who are going from a status of like no movement <laughs> yeah. to required movement, right? Because you you mm -hmm. train obviously like people that are proper athletes, right? Yeah. But you also train like you know, people that are starting for the first time. So what what do you normally say to somebody who's like, I can't move, but I need to move? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess, first of all, I'll address that because a lot of people see my Instagram or something like, oh, a celebrity trainer, he's trained this, but then they'll also see me posting with somebody who's like, uh, not in the judgment way, but like very obese or seemingly very beginner. And mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of part of my whole philosophy in my training. I do online training across the world. In-person training is... My time is my time. My rate is my rate. So I realize it's not accessible to everybody, but I want to help everybody. So if you're committed, if you have a goal, like I train stay-at-home parents, I train teachers, and then I have celebrities. I train two billionaires right now. So I guess I used to market myself trying to be all like, cool, you know, I've been doing this a very mm. long time. Uh, and then I realized, oh, shoot, like what I actually care about is helping people. I grew up, I had cancer as a kid. My father mm. passed away from cancer. My brother had cancer. My brother-in-law has cancer now. So if I can, like health has been my entire life and journey. I, I am in it to help people, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm married. I got a bunch of kids. It's also important to make money and I want to be an expert in the field. So yeah, I train everyone. So what I, what I think is most important is sustainability. So mm -hmm. if someone comes to me and they're an athlete or they're an actor, um, it was referenced before I trained Sarah Shahi, her and her ex-husband, Steve Howie for eight years. We can talk more about Sarah later. Yeah, I love, <laughs> she's wonderful, but they... They have the same bodies as other people, you know, but they have the means to have a trainer all the time, a nutritionist, somebody cooking food. So like the path to get there is the same, but it's a lot easier for me to say, hey, do these two workouts mm. a day. And they don't have to worry about time and budget constraints. So right. not not to take anything away. It's the same path to get there. But for some people to do, it's a lot easier. So I can give them something that's crazy hard, but they have to do it. And they know if they do it, I get paid X amount per episode or movie. Like It's a lot more motivating with the monetary compensation. When I train everyday people, they're like, oh, I saw this amazing workout program. Like it's five days a week. I'm like, hey, right now you're sitting on your couch 
feeling bad about yourself, let's not aim for five. Let's mm-hmm. aim for two. And let's not aim for one hour. Let's aim for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So my my original goal for everyone is two days a week for 30 minutes. If they knock that out two weeks in a row, we up it to three days for 30 minutes. If they knock that out, instead of going to four days, I'm a really big fan of extending the workout. So I really think building habits that are going to stay with you are key because the people who do the yo-yo diets or the yo-yo workouts, they're never happy because every year or every other year, they're like, I'm up 20 and I'm down 10 or I'm doing cardio bar and now I'm doing spinning and now I'm doing CrossFit like sustainability for lifestyle habits, for for health, for aesthetics of how you look, for mental health, for all these things. It has to be something you can do forever. And you can go times where you go harder or times where you pull back. But if it's so hard you want to quit, that's not the right program. That makes a lot of sense. Also, just like building yourself up and not going from 1 to 100 immediately. I think it's hard, you know, Speaking of the Sarah's Shahis of the world, it's hard, I think, when you when you see a kind of peak achievement or peak physical attractiveness. <laughs> physical. Yeah. 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 And that and and you're watching, by the way, from your couch, um, you know, you're like, I want that. You're not like I want yeah. I want to. I think it's. Well, let me know if you feel this way. It's it's a lot healthier of an outlook to go. I want to better myself. Versus I want to get to that person's level. Their level, yeah. But it's hard. It's really hard to to, yes. to do that. It's super hard. Another thing, too, I think perspective is super important. So, again, Sarah's one of my best friends. I love her. She's beautiful. But she's always been in shape. And she's always been beautiful. For over 25 years, she's had this body. She was a cheerleader. She was a model. She's all these things. So it's a lot easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. Mm -hmm. So if if a woman's sitting there 35 to 45 watching L Word or Sex Life and they're like, oh my God, she's my age and she had kids and looks like this. I'm like talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or or us for that matter. Um, if you're watching and see this, like not again, not to take away, she fuck it. She works her ass off. She's dedicated. She's disciplined, but it's a lot easier to maintain something. And also she's genetically blessed. Like she got Mm -hmm. it, she works it and she works hard Mm -hmm. to keep it. So yeah, she can compare her best to her best, but she'll come to me like, oh man, like I got to get in shape. We're shooting again for this. Um, and then now I live in a different state, but like we'll try and catch up or she's training with, I think Ryan or some other people in LA. But the point being, yeah, don't compare yourself to anybody else. And especially like uh, I wrote a whole book on on body types. And like, if you're a five foot three, maybe more full-figured Latina, for example, and you're trying to follow Goop or Gwyneth Paltrow, like not to specifically shit on that, but like <laughs> that, is, that is a very specific type of person. That's yeah. a very mm-hmm. specific lifestyle. That's a very specific body type and uh, kind of like lean, holistic-y, juji, whatever. Um, that works for some people and no judgment. Like if what works for you is what works for you, I do think there's objective data and I like to be sciencey in my approach. But all that to say, yeah, if you're sitting on your couch it's okay to get externally motivated by somebody. Like I admire, I respect that person. But then to think you can look like that person, that you gotta you gotta draw the line. Get motivated and then take the motivation internally and be like, now I'm gonna set this goal for myself that's for your body and your mental yeah. state. Not to if you if you set it to another person, you're only gonna be let down. It's so much easier said than done, but it, it's so totally. right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I started lifting because of Arnold Schwarzenegger when I was 14. I'm not going to look like the guy, but it was good to get me into it. Yeah. But you know what's nice is you can hire an accent coach and he can help you at least sound a little bit more like him. Exactly. So 
Phil, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about these goals that we can set for ourselves. Because growing up, I feel like one of the goals that I saw like yelled at me through the media, through everything around me was like, lose weight, lose weight. The, the only goal was to lose weight. Yeah. And it seems like it is such a detrimental goal to set um, in many ways. And something that you worked on with me and Zach was not really about losing weight, but it was growing strength. And mm -hmm. it was about like what you said about extending the length of the time that you train your endurance and things like that. And I found that um, it was in some ways I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. But it felt very empowering to get to the spot where I was like, oh my God, I'd never lifted weights before. And now I can lift this large weight without even thinking about it. And like, mm -hmm. I, I find that to be really empowering, but it's also something I need to remind myself one year later of. And so I'm hoping you can talk a little bit again about how to set the right goals for yourself that are yeah. actually achievable and motivating. Societal norms are a bitch, man. I, I saw that. I mean, it made the rounds of the internet, but uh, what is it they're calling? Heroin chic and the whole thing in the, yeah. the Kate Moss but 90s back. back. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. It's wild. But training women to be strong, I've been a huge fan of. Um, he's a uber much more successful trainer than I. Ben Bruno, he trains everybody. Hmm. And I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love how he's he's been so impactful with uh, Chelsea Handler and all his funny videos, but Jessica Biel, all these people who you would think of like these slender petite women and showing them deadlifting 200, 250 pounds and showing how they can be strong. And when I first started with Sarah, she's like, oh, I, I don't want to be buff. And there's this very mm -hmm. kind of mentality that's been thrown out there that being strong means you're going to be masculine or buff or, or the, you're butch or they use all these kind of just derogatory terms, but you can be whatever you want, first of all, but you can also be feminine and strong as hell and do chin-ups and squat 150, 200 pounds, do all these things. So I think goals, it's important to set what I call health goals. And you'll see in the literature or podcast, everyone's talking lately, not about lifespan, but about health span. So not just about living to 89 or 100, but it's about feeling awesome when you're 40, 50, mm -hmm. 60, not like you're falling apart. And so I think your goals... If you, if you set out to be healthy, I call looking good a positive side effect. If you set out to look good, you're going to try extreme measures to get there and you're actually going to be unhealthy and then you're also not going to look good. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a short, a short term view versus a long term view. If you set out to be healthy, you're going to get there. It will happen. It might be slower than you want, but you'll get there. If you do the reverse nine times out of 10, every, anyone I've had who's had that path, uh, has failed in my experience, barring very, very few people. That's super helpful. I hope the friends is listening uh, get that point because I, I don't think I've <laughs> ever quite um, heard it stated that way that like even mentally when you set those goals for yourself, setting it in the context of health versus looking good, um, yeah. I think is is super interesting. I think that, I mean, to the heroin chic of it all, the whole camera adding 10 pounds thing is actually true to a certain it's extent. It's so true. Um, it's so true. It's crazy. I mean, I know that. And and I think that, like, you know, being a personality of any kind or being on camera, it does psychologically affect you in, mm -hmm. in a numerous amount of ways. Yeah. But also, you know, especially when you're trying to work on yourself, 
there's a disparity between what's real and what's on camera and also how you see yourself and how others see yourself. Mm -hmm. So I know that personally, I've definitely struggled with, well, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I actually did the Peloton four times this week and my arms are looking good for me. But I just shot this thing and it came out (laughs) and oh, my God, I I Mm. look, you know, bigger than I want to look or like my muscles aren't defined in the way that I thought they were in real life. And um, like talking through that narrative with myself and going, yeah, but I don't think that's real. Like I I actually do think that the you look that the camera does add 10 pounds. And then it it absolutely does. I had never done like I, I had I'm in fitness because I love fitness. But I've now had the opportunity to be on not just podcasts, but a bunch of TV stuff. And now I host my own fitness series on this iFit platform. And I'm trying to pitch a travel fitness TV show. And the first time I saw myself on the camera and I think I'm like, you know, I have abs. I'm a lean guy. I was like, oh, holy crap. I, like, I look like a rectangular box. Like, And it was, the, I had heard that. I had heard that. But it was the first time where I perceived, and I was like, my cheek, look, what, do I got hamster cheeks? Like, I'd never, I, I've never had body dysmorphia. But after seeing myself on camera, oh, I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm lucky to not suffer. But I, it totally warped my perception. Like, when you hear your voice and you're like, oh, what do I sound like? It's, yeah, it was the same like thing. The but now, when you. Answering machine. On yeah, the answering yeah. machine. Yes. You guys still have Which that, everyone right? has, yeah. <laughs> no, but I do wonder for people, like, I mean, I we shouldn't keep going back to Sarah because I know she's not the on, only actress that she that you trained. But <laughs> yeah. but I do think that, like, we, we always go back to the L word on this show. And one of the things about the original L word is, like, all the actresses are insanely thin. And they're insanely yeah. thin on the screen. And so, like, yeah. you start to realize mm-hmm. that, okay, I see myself on camera. Camera adds 10 pounds to me. I don't look insanely thin, but I am a skinny person. Yeah, camera so how tiny 10, are how, they? Exactly. Camera <laughs> yeah. adds yeah. 10 pounds to them, and they still look excessively thin Teensy. on camera. Yeah. How is that even achievable? And I I think the reality is that it's not. It's not <laughs> so I have a few thoughts, and I hope I hope this is helpful, but I think the number one thing to realize is this is these people's jobs. So they have they have been scouted, they have been selected, they have been auditioned, unfortunately very heavily based on the way they look. Mm-hmm. And they were casting for a certain type and a minority, but a certain fragment of the population just come that way. And they're petite and they're dainty and they're this. And so they get cast into those roles and it kind of falls to the Sarah thing where, yeah, they're doing work and yeah, they're working out and eating well, hopefully being healthy about it not at all dismiss there are tons of eating disorders and problems. And back in the day, there was what that ridiculous, like smoke a cigarette, Sauvignon Blanc, tuna fish, and white wine sans serre. Like that was oh, the Vogue, writing the Vogue diet. Yeah. That was the, like the 1975 <laughs> Vogue diet. And it's absurd, but that is a lifestyle that some people have. Not good, not healthy, not condoning yeah. it. But those people end up in these roles and it becomes weird to wear it's inspirational or aspirational yeah. for some reason, even mm-hmm. though we're looking at them, we're like, this should not be like, I've never smoked a day in my life. It's not healthy. Objectively, it's bad. I don't know what's in my brain. You see like a cowboy smoking in the Marlboro Manor, like some rock star. You're like, shit, that looks cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. It's dumb. And like three people in my family died from lung cancer. Like, no, but our brains, we have dumb brains. Yeah. We're smart, but we're, we're dumb. And I don't know. I'm not your therapist or anyone's therapist not even my own therapist to like go through what kind of self-work that takes. But 
I think separating the reality from it and then being like, I'm not this person. I'm not expected to have this standard. I'm not being paid this money. Mm-hmm. I wasn't selected to be like, you're not that person. Yeah. So stop holding yourself to that standard Yeah, is step one. And also, you told me this, Phil. It's not just food and working out that got those people the amazing bodies they have. I knew this would come up. Yes, go ahead. But I'll, I'll elucidate said point. Well, I'm letting There's you- There's some devil worship, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm letting you fill in- the gap here, it's like so much of what we see, what we see online for these people that are, you know, either celebrity trainers, even some of them, like fitness. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Some of the best fitness models. And- it's not just food and food and working out. What is it? You're leaving me hanging. You two know. I'll answer. I promise. That. Okay. So I'm, I'm all for personal choice. And I'm also pretty chill about like people doing whatever they want to do to their bodies, for their bodies. However... I really hate hypocrisy. So, so many of, uh, it's it's more prevalent in the Instagram, like fitness model, mm-hmm. bodybuilder, figure model world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's one thing to have a breast implant. You got a boob job, you get a nose job. Like, I, again, I'm for these things. Like, if it makes you feel better and more comfortable and confident, as long as it's not an addiction and harming you, that's okay. But- when you're, when people are like, oh my God, look, I put this product on my face and it de-aged me 20 years. I'm like, no, it's the fucking lasers and the peptides you're injecting. Yeah. Or like, I can eat whatever I want. And I know for a fact they're taking tesamorelin or growth hormone, or they're having doctor hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. for the guys, testosterone replacement therapy, super medically useful. A lot of people will double the dose. They'll take extra GH. They'll take some steroid cycles, things like this. And it's a double-edged sword because we as the consumers, it's the same reason it happens in sports and baseball. We want people to look hotter. We want Mm -hmm. new records. It's boring to have the same thing. And we kind of maxed out the human limit a long time ago, frankly. And so the only way to get past it is surgical enhancements, chemical enhancements, Mm -hmm. biohacking. And it used to be super frowned upon. Now it's kind of accepted mainstream as long as you're open about it. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I'm not going to throw anyone to the bus, but some of the biggest superheroes are some of, like, the uh, hardest worker in the room, like, I'm, or the liver king guy. Like, I'm not going to go on record saying that I know anything, but there are very obvious tells physiologically, both for men and women. It's the nipple chafing. And <laughs> it's the nips. <laughs> uh, actually, you can tell when a man's been on steroids because they get gynecomastia, the mammary glands behind their nipples grow. And if you see puffy oh. nipples, uh, you can <gasps> easily tell. So there are a lot oh, of tells. And again, I'm be on the lookout. And, and, and to be clear, <laughs> I'm I'm okay with people doing this. And I even, I recognize what a Hollywood role demands of people for certain things is not naturally achievable. They're like, you have four months to get like this. I don't care if you hire me and all the best trainers in the world and have a super coach. Science mm-hmm. has, bodies have limits. So I'm okay mm-hmm. with all this. I don't want to judge anybody, but I hate that the system makes it feel like you have to lie about it so you don't get mm-hmm. caught for being illegal mm-hmm. or cheating. And then you have all of these teenagers and 20-year-olds and all of us who grew up with like eating disorders or wanting to like, one of my favorite documentaries of all time, Bigger, Faster, Stronger, The Side Effects of Being American. It's basically how these two brothers realized one by one, every single one of their heroes was juicing. And they're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. guess we got, guess we got to do it. And again, oh. you, you do you, but it's, like people just think you can achieve these things naturally. And I think what's that Einstein quote? If if you're a fish and you judge yourself by your ability to climb a tree, of course, you're going to think you're an idiot. So if you're a natural, hardworking person and then you follow the same diet and workout as somebody who's enhanced, you're going to get a fraction of the results. Yeah. So if you want to enhance yourself, 
okay, do it safely, do it for yourself. But also if you're the person influencing all of these innocent people and saying it's just hard work, it is very hard work, but it's also this big thing you're leaving out. Yeah, right. So it's it's a tough one, Um, but it's very prevalent. It's also very prevalent just in the general population. And I think a lot of people are naive to how chemically or surgically enhanced a lot of people are. It's, It's a massive proportion. And it's okay to get that done. But don't hold, don't compare yourself to someone who is. If you're not and you don't want to go there, reset your expectations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With that, should we jump into some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this one, (laughs) Anna asked a question that I'm also interested in. Anna is 24, a female, and she says, how long does it actually take to, quote, lose progress if you're taking a longer than usual rest from a very regimented workout schedule? Like if you're sick or on vacation or just need the break for your body? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think a lot of people... The placebo effect and the nocebo effect are both very strong people. Oh my God, it's been three days. So in general, I find a lot of people who've been super regimented, if they take a week off, they're actually going to be better because they haven't rested that much in a long time. Hmm. So Hmm. very frequently, I'll see people go on vacation or take a week off or things, and they're probably eating more food. So they have a little calorie surplus. They're probably sleeping better. They're significantly less stressed. Very often, I'll see them come back and they're just crushing the workouts. They're more motivated. And it's kind of a nice thing for them to see, for me to then point out, hey, look, it's okay to give yourself a break every now and then. That said, to answer the question specifically, I find that after two weeks, it goes in order. So the first thing to go is endurance. So Mm -hmm. if you're doing cardio or you're doing hour-long workout sessions, after two weeks off, after three weeks off, all of a sudden you're halfway through your normal workout. When you come back, you're like, oh my gosh, my muscles are spent. Mm -hmm. So on average, again, it varies individuals, but the majority of people, the endurance goes first, then the physique starts to go. And it's usually actually the strength that goes last. So sometimes I'll take like two weeks or three weeks off the gym, or sometimes even six weeks, like where I've only gone once a week, bare minimum, just so busy, kids, life, things happening. And I'll come back and my bench press or squat or my lifting numbers are, they're the same, but I do one set and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this two more times. Like I'm, I'm, I did a set of 10, I'm exhausted. Or I'll be like, okay, I have the same strength, but I'm visibly softer. I've put on a little bit of body fat because I haven't been keeping the same level of activity. So my muscle's still there. It doesn't just deflate and go away, catabolizing, eating your Mm. muscle away. That happens after like months of inactivity. Mm. Here's an easy stat to remember. If you just work out two days a week, you're going to maintain wherever you're at. So let's say you were doing oh, four or five, six days a week. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm, a, I'm exhausted. I can't do it. And you even want to take a one month break. If you just hit two workouts per week for four or five, six weeks, and you just like need to mentally reframe it, let your body rest, you'll probably come back to exactly where you left. You're not going to mm. be above it. You're not going to see results, but you won't, you won't backslide. You won't too. lose it. Yeah. But in general, up to two weeks off, other than a little endurance, you're not going to see anything. 
And if you put on any body fat, maybe a pound or two in that time frame max, you can lose that in one week and be absolutely back to normal. So I wouldn't worry about anything under two weeks. Anything over a month will be visible. Anything under that you can fix. And if you just need to slow down, which I always advise slowing down instead of mm-hmm. stopping, it's a lot harder to restart than to just mm-hmm. ramp up. And to nerd out a bit, there's this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, like one of the best books I've read on on habit setting. And he has this very cliche, but amazing line, standardize before you optimize. So like set your habits up, just make everything rote. You brush your teeth, you do whatever, you take a shower. Cool. Make your workouts that, but just standardize it. If some days you have to scale it from an hour down to 10 minutes, still do it. Don't skip it. If some days you get off your diet and you eat a delicious piece of cake, that's fine. Just don't then eat the whole cake and be like, oh, well, I already screwed up. So I should eat the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Like uh, another guy, he says, if you go out and you have a flat tire, why are you going to go slash the other three just to say (laughs) fuck it all? And so that's this, that's the way don't self-sabotage just because something didn't go to plan. Just slow it down and, and reframe and regroup and get back at it. I love the specificity of each week. I honestly did not think that there was such a specific answer. And I know that like there's fluctuation, I'm sure, but it's very helpful as a as a guide, especially at this time of year for people too. Cause I yep. I noticed too that like I I by the way hate going to the gym mostly because uh the going to part. Um so that's why I yeah. work out at home and and use the Peloton a lot. Um but that means that like if I go on vacation it's a little bit harder for me because, like, I'm I'm away from my Peloton, so I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, do it. Um, of so, yeah, I, I for the pandemic, for the most of the pandemic, I maintained like getting on the Peloton three times a week for like almost two years, like for a really long time. Um, and then I had like a couple of weeks where I was like. I have to go on vacation for I have to go on vacation. Uh, <laughs> I must for this must period go. of time. Like I'm going to miss this week. It's going to mess up my thing. Um, and now I just don't really care that much. But having that in the back is is yeah is great. And uh, quick quick answer just to follow up in the reverse because I know people love numbers. So I'll give specifics where I can. Same thing when you're starting a workout program. The first two weeks, you're just getting through it. You're sore. You can't finish the workouts. You're tired. Mm-hmm. Two weeks two weeks is building your endurance. Weeks two to four, generally, you can finish all the workouts and you start to get stronger pretty much immediately. Newbie gains are like, you couldn't do five pounds and by week three, you're doing 10 pounds. Like it happens quick. So mm-hmm. weeks one and two are building endurance and getting used to it. Weeks three and four, the strength starts to kick in. Week five and on is where you're going to visibly see changes. You you can build a little muscle and burn fat in five weeks. Again, that's individualized, and that's assuming you're really beginner. If you're super advanced, it could take you six months to see the same results that somebody could see in six weeks if mm-hmm. they start. But as a general rule, if you're doing something for more than two weeks and you don't see any results, either you're doing it wrong or it's not the plan for you. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of people... It is starting to work, but it's slower than they want. And these are the these are the worst habits to form. The people who do the the jump ship, they're like, I did keto for a month, and then I did only spinning, and then the next month I did weights and CrossFit, and I did high carb, low fat, vegan, and then the next month I'm intermittent fasting. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You have to do the same thing for months and months, like up to six yes, months. Yes, it's so boring, the, right? He's like, can can I change this? Can I change this? If you have a good trainer, this is the mark of a good trainer. 
They should never say, I know for a fact. They should use words like, this is probably going to work or let's evaluate after two mm -hmm. weeks. They should be confident, but not fucking like arrogant. And then also they should make you do the same damn thing, keep you motivated about it, but your programming should not change for like minimum six weeks. Like six week blocks are the smallest I use. I like to do 12 week blocks and that's it. The, I'm talking the exact same lift, the exact same order. The only thing that changes is we're trying to add reps or add intensity or add mm -hmm. weight. If you're changing all the time, muscle confusion is not real. You're actually hmm. slow. You're slowing down your results because of BS marketing that P90X made famous. That's not a real thing. Ugh, and like that. <laughs> cl class pass, also not a big fan. But uh, caveat, doing anything mm -hmm. and doing something better. is better than nothing. Yeah. Always, always. And burning calories and staying healthy for health concerns, it's all the same. So everything I said, you can take back if all you care about is getting endorphins, feeling good and being healthy, then everything I said goes out the window. If your goal is that you specifically want to build a certain physique, like you want to shape your body or you want to lose body fat, you want to get stronger, you want to do pull-ups for the first time, you want to squat, like anything to do with your physique or your strength, that takes specific programmed progression. And that is different from health. So you have to choose your priority and they're very different goals. I feel like I just, when you told me that, I felt like I had been scammed my entire <laughs> life. Like yeah. so much money had been spent by me on things like the orange theory or mm. these different Pilates classes. And they were all great for making me feel like I was prioritizing my health, being active, especially since I had a pretty sedentary job, right? It helps to like force myself in an environment where I'm going yeah, to move. Absolutely. But these, the marketing is definitely kind of telling me that this is going to help shape your body and do all these things that it doesn't do, right? Like, yeah. and isn't some of this stuff bad for you? Like running, isn't running fucking bad for your body? Be honest, Phil. It's not bad for your body, but tell us a lot it's of bad people for your body. Tell, tell me it's <laughs> bad for something. Running, it's bad. It's bad. If you run properly, it's not bad for your body, but most people do not run properly. Ergo, it becomes bad for their body. Mm -hmm. But running is not necessary. Running is not necessary. That's great. See? Yeah. We'll take it. We'll yeah. take it. You like walking, right? Go, go walking, <laughs> uh, hiking, incline walks is the best of both worlds. I love when you answer, you you imply the answer in your question for <laughs> Phil. You love walking, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, jogging. I mean, I'll get clients all the time and they're the classic. I hate that we haven't come up with a better term for this. I'm going to say it. I'm going to apologize in advance. Skinny fat. We've not like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't rebranded it yet. We haven't found a good way to say that in a not shitty way. Soft and but small. Isn't that, that's more like genetically <laughs> based in a lot of ways, right? It's like, yes, but it's also the curse of the runner because what it is is oh. you have, you have very little body fat, but you have even less muscle. So the body fat you do have shows up. And huh. so that's the person who's skinny, but with no tone and definition. And then when you jog, 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 your body, metabolizes both body fat and muscle because it says, hey, we want to run. Compare a marathoner to a sprinter. Mm -hmm. Dramatic, like 80 pound difference, 80 pound difference, totally different. So certain bodies are predisposed to be good at certain sports or look certain ways. Doesn't mean you can't do those things or you can't change or you can't do whatever you want to do. But certain, Michael Phelps, the guy was built to swim. His body, his proportions, he's made to do that. Can someone else swim? Yeah, sure. Is it likely they'll ever get anywhere close to his level with 
if they're six inches shorter and their arms aren't like three inches long. He has just the, he was made to be a water baby. And so <laughs> certain people are going to excel at certain things. But yeah, this, this notion that you got to like do this and do that and do that. It's just all, everyone's got a product to sell. And yeah. if, if the product broadly applies to everybody, not to say there's not some good or some merit to it, but that's probably a pretty good indicator that it's not the best thing for you. Again, it's better than nothing, but like if it worked for everybody, we would have solved this issue 50 years ago and nothing works for everybody. I saw a lot of questions that had to do with intermittent fasting. So I did want to talk about that Ooh, really yeah. quick. Love, this one, love to. This one's from Douglas, who's 22, and he says, does intermittent fasting really work to lose weight? If so, whatever benefits are involved or does it do more harm than good. Got it. Um, so I can give you a pretty good answer here. I will cite Dr. <laughs> Le- Dr. Lane Norton. He's uh, just did a really good study of studies, like a meta-analysis on all of the data. There's tons of others, but I find Dr. Norton, he does the best job of explaining sciencey stuff in a very palatable way. And if you look at the actual outcomes, if your protein and your calories are the same, if your protein and your calories are the same, it does not matter at all for body fat reduction across the board. Low carb, high fat, high carb, low fat, low whatever, high whatever, low sugar, this sugar, no FODMAP, this. like. If your protein and calories are the same across the board, every single diet, including intermittent fasting, nets out to the same amount of body fat. There are some mm. slight, slight, slight changes in um, LDL cholesterol or some other markers, depending how high your fat was, but like over the long term, they're basically the same for how your body's going to look and perform. Hmm. That being said, the way I, I treat intermittent fasting, it's a time management tool. For some people, it's really easy to say, oh, I get 1900 calories a day to hit my goal, this much protein, this much fiber, this many carbs and fat. Okay. If I just break that into two meals and a snack and that's it, and I just don't eat before and after, their likelihood of success is a lot higher. There are other people who try that and they're like, I feel terrible. I have headaches. And I cannot intermittent fast. I did it. I forced myself to do it for two months. Two months, Anic- Phil? Yeah. An- anic- <laughs> an- anecdotally. Yeah. No, anecdotally, it did nothing for me. I felt terrible the whole time. I like mm-hmm. to eat all of the time. But to the flip side, like five years ago, what was the fad they were selling you? Eat six times a day, speed up your metabolism, do this, eat, like if have chicken in your pocket. Have chicken in your pocket. <laughs> I miss that one. I miss the chicken in your pocket. I think the, the 1980s Tupperware people must have like thrown yes, like a party totally. for all the... So yeah, if your calories and protein are the same, you can switch around carbs and fats. People are going to push back on this. That's a scientific fact. There are differences in glycogen and water retention and other things. Your, your scale will change, which does have a mental impact, but body fat and muscle will not. Let's talk about the scale because I think the scale is is uh, is a motherfucker. You're talking about the scale that weighs the you. The scale, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the scale is that weighs you. I want to hear what you think about scales, Phil, and if. Tell us how to think about a scale healthily or to not think about it at all. Absolutely. So I think uh, just as intermittent fasting, just to wrap that up, it's a tool. So if it works for you and helping you build your physique, your body, your whatever you want, great. But for you to judge or say, this is better than your thing, that is objectively false. And for someone else, it might be worse. Conversely, if you hate it and someone else loves it, don't say, hey, it doesn't work. It does work if you do it right. 
just like any other healthy diet you can follow. Mm -hmm. Now, a scale. A scale is like intermittent fasting. In that, I treat it as a tool. So some people are like, well, my scale at the gym says this, and my scale at home says this, and water says this. Like The overarching things are, are you getting enough hydration? Are you working out? Are you sleeping? Are you trying to de-stress? Are you doing all these things? In general, the best way I have had somebody explain this to me is if you weigh yourself every day, and then you compare the average of the week. So you weigh yourself every day, and you take the average weight. You weigh yourself every day the next week, and you compare the average of each week. Because especially women, if it's, if you're on your period, you'll gain like three to five pounds one or two days before your period. Mm-hmm. That's going to fluctuate. Every day I wake up at 196 and I go to bed anywhere between 199 and 204. That's eight pounds. So like your body can wow. fluctuate so much. That's a lot of chicken. <laughs> yeah. And just like I drink a ton of water and you don't pee it all out every night before you go to bed. In your sleep, on average, somebody loses about two pounds overnight just through what? exhaling. Yeah. You exhale CO2. All of your everything you metabolize comes out as carbon dioxide um, or as water when you pee it out with vitamins and minerals. But you you basically exhale, you sweat and exhale two to three pounds overnight. Yeah, well, it's funny because we were talking we were talking uh, before one of the episodes that we recorded before about like how we both had gained a little bit of weight. And then I was doing like the calculus of like, OK, I made my partner. I was like, Google, if you're on your period, like if there's more weight. And she's like, yeah, this is like three to five more pounds. I'm like, OK, great. We'll take that into this calculus. Yeah. We'll take my- every reason. Yeah. yeah. So I like this. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. So it's a tool. Now, let's say like if your goal is specifically I have to lose weight or I have to shrink down. I want to fit for women all the time. And I don't mean to be sexist, but like, I want to fit into these clothes. My sisters, my mom, my wife, my clients, this is the most common thing. I need to fit into my old clothes. I don't want to spend money and buy new stuff. Okay. Well, then the scale is important because you have to go down that way, but don't be, if it's the 0.3 or the 0.15, like it should trend downwards. Don't get caught up in the minutia of how many pounds this week versus if it's going the right way, that's a good sign. If you're trying to lose weight and it's going the wrong way, Something's going wrong. So more important than that is the lean body mass. So like, are you keeping or gaining muscle and burning body fat? Because if you do a crash diet, you can take those crazy like laxative diuretic things. You can lose a bunch of water weight and a bunch of muscle at the same time. You can lose 10 pounds. But if five of it is muscle and five of it is fat, for example, even though you lost 10 pounds, you're actually the exact same body fat. You're going to look skinny fatter. You're going to look the same because you weigh less, but your ratio of muscle to fat is the exact same. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if you only lose eight pounds instead of 10 pounds, but seven of it is body fat and one of it is muscle, you're going to measure smaller. You're going to feel better. You're going to be stronger. And even though you weigh more, two pounds more on the scale, your body will look dramatically different. So body composition, which means how much muscle to fat you have, that ratio, that's way more important than just objective losing X amount or weighing X amount. 130 at 15% body fat versus 130 at 25% body fat or 180 at that same or 200 at that same. The the body fat composition matters way more. You're losing me, Phil. These are very advanced numbers. (laughs) Math, math. Yeah. For some reason, for me, the scale... I mean, I don't ever weigh myself unless it's like a doctor's appointment, but 
because muscle weighs more than fat, it kind of just threw off the whole scale thing for me mm-hmm. personally for forever. Because I'm like, what do we, I mean. It's all about density. So muscle, like a pound is a pound, right? But a pound, this is not scientifically accurate, but like a pound of muscle is like a quarter. Again, not exactly true. And then a pound of fat is like a $20 bill. Yeah. So like just the amount of space it takes up, not by weight, but just space. So when you when you lose fat, you shrink more. And when you have muscle, it gets tighter. Tone, tone is a stupid word because you can't just tone if you don't have muscle. Tone is just your muscle showing more than your body fat. Mm. It has nothing to do with what, there's no workout better for toning. Toning just means you have lost body fat and you can see your muscle, which you've hopefully built up and mm-hmm. strengthened. You know, there's a lot I see about like, pre-workout stuff that you can drink or like a lot of you should eat X amount of time before you work out and this is what it should be. And then after you work out, this is what you should eat and when you should eat it. And it's very confusing because also like there's a bunch of like contradictory things going on too. So like I guess on the most basic level, like what is there an answer that people can you know, a guide people can use in general for eating before and after? There is. I think this answer, it's my favorite answer because to me it's comforting. Some people are going to hate it, but it's absolutely and completely up to personal preference. So again, comparing like the diets where if the protein, the calories are the same, then it doesn't really matter. All, all diets will work the same if you follow them and you actually do them right. So the same thing with this, like, yes, statistically it's significant so it's true that if you eat more carbs before your workout you'll have a slight increase in atp and energy like if you eat one to two hours before your workout something with more carbs and protein you may perform better however some people do that and they feel super nauseous or they want to vomit there used to be this notion that you you had to have a protein shake 30 minutes after your workout it was called the anabolic window and like you get more protein synthesis and you're going to build more muscle basically proven that all of that the effect isn't zero, but it's like less than a couple mm. percent, like like one percent difference. Yeah. Wow. And since the average person is already sleeping shitty, super stressed out, not drinking enough water, drinking nine cups of coffee a day, trying to stop take Adderall, like whatever million <laughs> problems they have going on that they're trying to like fix medically, yeah. that like unless you're an Olympic level athlete, the effect of that is so small yeah. that the the stress and the panic it causes you is worse <laughs> than just not giving a shit. Gotta make so, my protein shake. Yeah. Ah. So the easiest the easiest answer is work out hard, drink water, sleep well. And then don't worry about the stuff. And if you do that forever and you want to go from like a 9.5 level super athlete to a 10, those small things start to matter. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, including myself, as a fitness professional, I don't give a shit or follow any of that because it's irrelevant. I I like that answer. Yeah. I think that that's a great (laughs) answer. Because honestly, lately, I'm I'm more of an evening workout person, which I know is a little bit odd. But I've been trying, like, I'm going to wake up early. And then I got into this whole thing of like, and I need to eat an hour before. So now I'm really going to wake up early. And then I guess um, I'll work for an hour. Yeah. That's healthy. <laughs> and so, right? yeah, no, taking that off the list of, of musts, I think, is super helpful. Yeah. So just don't stress. You may, you may perform. You may be a little stronger. You might get 11 reps instead of 10 if you eat before. But what's that matter if you feel crappy, you get a headache or puke? Or so some days you might and some days you might not. The point is, overall, if everything else is consistent and good, it's it's essentially it's a wash. Hold up. 
it's Sophia Franklin. And if you don't already know, listen up. My mini series is live now each and every Monday. And the only person missing is you. We're dating, we're dumping, we're learning, and we're tapping into all the feels that originally brought us together. Listen and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, can you talk a little bit about how fitness and and how our bodies in relation to fitness change through the decades? And let's not go through all of the decades, but just like Stevie and I are obviously in our 30s. The yeah. way the way that we maybe like moved around and did things is different than in our 20s. And just things are changing. Things are totally. hurting. How can we take into account our age when, when we think about fitness? <laughs> yeah. So when you're young, you can kind of get away with anything, right? Uh, but there are a couple of misconceptions. So the first one is we throw kind of caution to the wind a ton when we're young, but we don't realize how active we are. A lot of people say, oh, no, well, my metabolism slowing down because I'm getting older. Our metabolism actually doesn't slow down very much at all. Almost negligible really? amounts. Yeah. What happens is it's our activity levels that go. So when you're younger, you're singing, you're dancing, you're walking around, you're tapping. You can't <laughs> like, mom, drive me somewhere. I can't. You got to walk there. So like, or there was an Uber, right? Uh, back huh. then, all of these things. So metabolism, it does slow down, again, to be objective. But it's such a small amount, especially year over year. Like if you compare decade to decade, maybe you'll get like a three to 5% decline. And then by your 60s to 80s, it starts to kick in. But basically, that's the least important factor in a very big hierarchy. The number one is we, across the board, we tend to move less. And then when we do work out, we tend to work out less intensely, like less hard. So we burn less calories, we burn less fat, and we build less muscle. So it all has to do with we kind of get more complacent and lazy And then we also do recover slower. So we feel more tired. We feel more sore. Mm. But the people you see out there who are in their 40s, 50s, even 60s, crushing it and staying super healthy and well, the thing is kind of like I said to Sarah or referring to any of the other people, the, the trick is staying with it. If you start in your 40s or 50s, it can be done, but you're climbing up a hill. If you've already done it your whole life and you're maintaining, it's a lot easier However, you might notice, oh, three workouts a week taps you out. You can't do five anymore. You might notice that you're having to warm up for 10 minutes because you're a little creaky, you're a little sore. So mm-hmm. you, do, you do have to change. Testosterone levels decrease for men. Estrogen levels decrease for women. So osteoporosis, perimenopausal, mm-hmm. menopausal things where things just hurt. And I hate to say it, but they, they dry up. That's literally what happens. Mm-hmm. All of these things. things. And up. for men... Yeah. For men, we got our problems. Things get soft. Things get droopy. Gravity sets in. <laughs> All of these are our hormonal responses. <laughs> and we're in a day and age where, again, I would I would estimate of the people I've worked with over the age of 40, more than 50% of the males are on testosterone replacement therapy. Hmm. The definition of a steroid, an anabolic steroid, the definition of a steroid is anything related to testosterone. 
So technically, oh. all of these dudes walking around are on steroids. The difference is, if you get it from a guy at the gym, it's called a steroid. If you get it, if you get it from your doctor, it's totally legit, right? <laughs> this is right? like the crack cocaine debate, right? Like, what? yeah, it's the same <laughs> freaking exactly. thing, and then you're making one super. Ra- so I'm the, but now huh. that being said, one is made pharmaceutically safe, licensed, and the other could be made by your friend in his basement. So I do not at huh. all ever advocate getting illegal drugs for anything. But the point is, it's actually the same substance. So like. Your bodybuilder friend who's juicing, the difference is he's taking like three to 10 times the amount that a healthy man would take just to replace their natural levels. Some people need it, some don't. I'm currently training a guy who's 34 years old. He sent me his blood results online, clinically dramatically low testosterone. I said, go to your doctor. You need this. You're going to feel better overnight. He feels like a new man. It's helping his marriage. It's helping his health, everything. And he didn't know. He wouldn't have gone to the doctor without me because he didn't think he had cancer. He didn't think he was dying. I was like, hey, man, you have all the symptoms of low T. You got to go. Totally new person. I train a guy and he's 64. He's like, my husband's never horny. Gay man. He's like, I want to fuck all the time. I don't know what to do. He did testosterone tested. It was like 900. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I want to be you when I grow up. So it's genetic. It's so many things. But Decades matter. Hormones matter. So I got to ask, does the um, does the steroid from the basement and the steroid from the doctor all result in a small PP? No. So that's a, that's a misconception. If anything, <laughs> your your penis will grow. So we got oh, my some, God. Um, well, it's just penis so your grow. balls, your balls shrink, your testicles shrink because oh. you stop producing your own testosterone. Huh. So you become less fertile. Your balls shrink. But your dick is probably bigger because you're like horny for everything that walks. No. So that's why all of, so there's Uh, no other way to put it. We got some issues. Okay. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come to that point at the, at the end of the thing, because I have a problem with, with overactive men at the gym that I will. Yeah. Cause they're probably, they're probably all horned up and juicing because they're gross. Yeah. That is a, it's a huge problem. All right, Steve, you want to give us another question? Um, yeah, I think this is one that I have heard. So I'm curious if it's true. This is from Lisa Stone, who's 19. You lucky biatch. She says, Lisa. <laughs> uh, is it true that <laughs> abdomen and core exercises will not help you lose belly fat? Besides dieting, of course, is cardio the only other way? The answer is yes. Yeah, I, I've heard that like the, you know, especially as it relates to to what I do, like, okay, yeah, if you're if you're riding a bike in a certain way or you're lifting, all of that goes into building abs versus like, yeah, ab-specific stuff. So, yeah, a couple answers. So your ab, your abdominal muscle and wall is like you have your stomach and then you have the ligaments and the things that go across it that define your abs. So some people have a four pack, some have a six, some have an eight, some's off-centered. Like you can't achieve an aesthetic that your body looks the way it looks according to where the cross sections of your abdomen wall is. Mm. So that's one genetic thing. The only way they're visible is by having low enough body fat. For men, it's generally being under 12% body fat. For women, it's generally being under 18% body fat. And you can't choose where your body loses fat. Mm, if you're in a, mm-hmm. if you're in a calorie deficit and you're purposely under eating in a healthy way or you're exercising more to burn more calories, that's how you lose weight. You have to be in an energy deficit. Then your body will eat body fat. You cannot choose where it comes from. That is genetic and that is just how it goes. What you can do is you can choose where your body puts on muscle by how you train it. So 
doing sit-ups, doing these things every day, and then eating like shit, you'll get stronger abs. They'll never be visible. Going to do a 50-minute plank or setting an eight-hour plank world record, you're going to win the plank Olympics. But if you're eating chips and Coke and eating 5,000 calories a day, not visible. So Hmm. not to say ab training does nothing. A strong core is important. It'll help a lot of other things in life. The visibility has only and everything to do with nutrition. Cardio is helpful because you'll burn calories, but I have a full six pack. I do not jog or do any cardio other than walking unless a company pays me to go run for them because I hate it and I don't enjoy it. Can you talk more about that? Like that's a whole thing because, you know, I think that a lot of people equate doing cardio with losing weight. Yeah. So I will in no uncertain terms answer this question. 10 times out of 10, I will pick strength training over cardio training. If you are currently working out with weights anytime less than three days a week, but you're doing Pilates or yoga or cardio or bar or anything else, switch it to the opposite and you'll see dramatically better changes in your physique. So like I have all of the clients that I work with lift with weights three to five times a week, depending on their goals. And I have them all walk every day. I don't currently have anyone jogging or running unless they like jogging and running and they are joggers and runners and marathon runners who specifically want to do that. And this is why I love Phil, because there was no running. (laughs) In terms of body composition, it offers no benefit. So let's say you jog for an hour. Maybe you'll burn 500 calories, right? But there's no anabolic response. You don't build any muscle. So the second you eat 500 calories or more right back afterwards you net out to zero. Your body goes back, your heart rate comes down. It's good for your heart health, but walking also gives you that. There are some benefits that increase if you jog more. So up to um, like 150 minutes of what they call zone two cardio. So that's 77% of your heart rate or less. And this is getting into the science of it. That will increase the likelihood of living longer and having less heart disease. So there are some health benefits to it, to implementing that. But you can get into that same heart zone by walking uphill or by briskly walking. To be clear, it doesn't specifically have to be a jog. But for some people, it's easier to jog and they enjoy it. So that's fine. 150 minutes per week of zone two cardio. That's where you get all the benefits for your heart. After that, there's nothing. But again, it can be achieved by walking quickly. I'm not talking like saunter with your head down and looking at the leaves. But like the bus is coming in four minutes. And if you walk real quick, you'll make it that level. Mm -hmm. So... Anything past that is down to personal preference. I think I think people don't realize if you have a good structured program, there's a lot more personal freedom than you think. You don't have to do certain diet X. You don't have to lift a certain way. What you have to do is lift heavy shit and challenge your body. You want it to grow muscle and burn fat. But if you're keeping your calories at maintenance and you're not overeating, even if you're this skinny, dainty, petite woman who enjoys their figure and doesn't want to get bulky... It's just science. If you don't eat more calories than you need, you will get stronger and tighter and more toned. You will not gain any size. You will not get bulky unless you're specifically eating more to do that. Now, some people do it on purpose. They want to bulk up. Other people, what happens is they start lifting and training hard. And then without realizing it subconsciously, they start to eat more because their body wants them to grow. Mm -hmm. But if you just lightly keep track of that, I mean, when I trained Sarah, she had only done, I want to say like Tracy Anderson and things like that before. (laughs) And she was, she was terrified. This was like person of interest. And then sex life was coming up after and then Black Adam and all these things. She's like, I don't want to get bulky, Phil. And then I mean, when she did sex life fully, you can see everything. 
she was squatting 150 pounds. She was bench pressing 95 pounds. Like she got strong and she was like, oh my God, she could do full chin-ups. She was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize I could have both, that I could be like feminine and cute, but also like fucking strong. And mm-hmm. she, I have videos of her doing push-ups and squats with chains on her. She felt badass. And like, maybe that's not her favorite style of training, but she's like, I'll be damned if it didn't give me the best body and it worked. And I didn't get bulky or gain any pounds because she was just good at eating healthy food and the right amount of calories. Are you, I mean, this is not what you said, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, is the only way to that level, I guess you're you're implying that like you have to have massive amounts of, of weight. Uh, is that true? Like, is, is there like a lightweight you know, or body weight thing that does build muscle. Yeah. So the evidence on this is it changed. It used, everyone used to say you have to do like eight to 15 reps and that's what's called hypertrophy. That's like the muscle building phase. They've now shown that anything between one and 30 reps where you're achieving failure. So like if you can do more than 30 and you're not even remotely tired, you're into the endurance zone. So it's healthy. You might feel good. Again, you're getting benefits. But in terms of like the burning body fat, building muscle and elevating your physique, one to 30 is the same. So if you do three sets of 10 and 10 means like that's the max you can do, that's how hard you have to push yourself. So let's say you do three sets of 10 at 20 pounds on something and somebody else says, oh, I don't like lifting heavy. I want to do three sets of 20 at five pounds. So it's more reps, but it's lighter right? Mm -hmm. As long as that five pounds brings you to what's called failure. Like when you get to rep 20, you're like, I am done. Like maybe you could do 21 or 22, but certainly not 25 or 30 or 40. Then that's fine. So you don't have to be there lifting like hundreds of pounds and being this badass. But on the other end, you can do that and also not bulk up if you're like a woman or a man who's worried about that. Not going to happen. So all that matters is you go to near failure, which means you're pushing yourself Mm -hmm. that any weight between one and 30 reps, when you get there for a certain amount of sets and reps, the easiest way, and people, I guess they'll want to take notes, but like every body part, chest, arms, shoulders, legs, butt, lower back, whatever, every week, try to get about 15 sets of exercise per body part and try to get 10 to 30 reps of those things where you're going to failure. And for the most part, if you do that, you're going to see the results you want pretty progressive and linearly okay that that makes a lot of sense that's that's the best broad answer i can get obviously that's why individualized training people will come to me and i do all that stuff but like if you're like i don't know anything and i have no budget whatever lift heavy shit or lift light shit the important thing is to get to that failure point where it's hard and your body can't do it and you have to get better so if you do five pounds for three weeks and then you notice it's light well that's because your body Mm. got stronger now you got to do seven and a half got to do ten you have to always be progressing in either reps or weight. Or increasing the reps, yeah. Yeah, otherwise, the that's why people plateau. If I say, hey, what's your workout? And if your workout is the same now as it was six months ago and nothing's changed, no wonder you're not seeing results. People wonder, I'm working out four days a week. Has it changed? Nah, no shit, your body's used to it. So go heavier or go more reps. Mm-hmm. Okay, Phil, so we started the conversation at nipples. I feel like it's only fair to bring it right back around oh. to nipples. Oh, I have... I have the best one. You have no, the best bring it nipples? Up yeah, you, t- no, I have okay nipples, but no, I have a good story about this after, but you tell me. 
You have okay. Oh. You're you're in general nipple territory. I'm in like we got a question about boobs that I'm going to ask. Oh, you. I'd like to okay, hear both. Go ahead. But um, yeah, yeah. You you do you do yours and then I'll do show you mine. <laughs> okay. Um, this is from Cordelia, who is 35, and she says, "I went up three cup sizes when I gained 40 pounds." Is there any way, any possible way to lose the weight everywhere except my cups? <laughs> God bless you, Cordelia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, if only. Same thing with like milk boobs or pregnancy boobs. Listen, everybody appreciates good breasts. <laughs> However, no, there, there is no way uh, other than surgery, there's no way to choose mm-hmm. where the body fat goes. So uh, unfortunately, Cordelia, no. Wow, Cordelia's going to hate you, Phil. <laughs> I forget who, one of my clients, one of my clients, she was hilarious. I've had a few clients get breast reductions and I've had a few get breast enhancements. And they're like, man, couldn't we just like Venmo some titty? Like you need some, I have some, can we just trade? Yeah, trade. And I was, I was just like a fly on the wall, just cracking up with them, joking about this. You could have helped facilitate that transaction. Yeah, I could be a broker. I could be a broker. Well, wait, what was the other nipple thing that you wanted to say? Well, no, this is not the nipple thing. This is just like, talk about an awkward moment because I know that comes with this in mind. Oh, nice. This is a good, Phil, I love this transition. This is great. I have never, to be clear, I have never trained Sydney Sweeney of Euphoria, but she was my kid's babysitter for four years before she was famous. Wow. And she is kind and lovely and wonderful. And And was she a good babysitter? She was the best babysitter. She was the valedictorian. She was studying while she was doing auditions, watching the kids. We were like, dude, this girl's going to be famous because she was so kind and responsible and respectful. But now she's known for like the best hits in Hollywood. And we're like, we can't watch the show because we can't watch our babysitter get railed. Yeah. And she still she'll call my she'll call my kids on their birthday. Like I have two daughters, and she'll be like, "Happy birthday!" And we're like, "Hopefully they never see you for it." No, 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 we're we're chill about that. But yeah. like, she's just so kind and good and a sweet person. And there's been all this internet hate on her lately. I'm like, I'm gonna bring up the fact that she is a good person and just like a badass. And good for her for being hot. Good for her. Yeah, I love to hear that she was valedictorian. You know, Stevie and I have Don't very bring me studious into back, it. backgrounds yeah. here. So we love to hear. Yeah, her parents were very strict. They were like, we'll help you act and go to auditions, but you have to keep your grades up and do this. And like, she was getting guest stars and shows when she was 14, 15, but she was still babysitting. Like we just, she was not even on the cusp of fame. We were just so impressed with how like, well, this is a good kid. And like, yeah. it doesn't at all surprise us. And then she's up there now and still will say happy birthday. to She hasn't babysat them in seven years. Like good it's just her. been- notable how it doesn't surprise me in the least that aside from her looks or anything she's successful mostly because she works hard and I don't feel like she gets credit for that she's so talented I, I love that yeah. you're crediting like a good work work ethic and like uh you know yeah. good head on your shoulders with being famous I think that's that's really <laughs> nice but I'm hey, glad yeah. to hear that she has it and I also she really does. like that you thought you know what? The right audience, the widest audience for me to defend <laughs> Sydney Sweeney is going to be best friends back. All right. Do we look? Does our audience seem like a group of haters? Sydney Sweeney haters? I just hate Sydney. No, I just got off somebody else, like, because she posted a thing and one of her family was a Trump people or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah, got, a, everyone's got a crazy uncle. Oh, everyone's got a weirdo. Believe me. Yeah. yeah. Like, and also, like, even if he was not crazy and politically that way, like, she's her own person like people if we get judged by who's around us we're all screwed yeah well you know i think you have a certain level of fame you get judged for literally fucking everything so totally uh, yeah and like you could have used some more caution but i posted something i'm like oh i didn't realize there was that in the background oh my gosh like i didn't know yeah that giant dildo 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels like, yeah. yeah. Well, this is a perfect segue. This awkward moment really segues us into my awkward moment of the week that, Phil, we usually have our guests like leave at this point, but I think... I think you you will have something to contribute here. Get in the Hall of Fame. So I um I went to the gym and all right this is this happened like a few weeks ago when I was new to this particular gym I was going to. So it's it's a really big. I was still trying to kind of find my way through it. And I I don't know if you're like this or anybody that's listening that goes to gyms. It can be a pretty intimidating environment. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. when it's large, you know, like there's just there, there are people throwing weights around. There are big dudes. There are people posturing. And so, like, I kind of keep my eyes down when I'm at the gym, find my way to my uh, to my bench, and I'm working out for, like, half an hour, and I notice this guy keeps looking over. I'm getting annoyed because I'm just like, I made it here. I'm proud of myself for being here. Like, I do not need any other distractions. Keeps looking over, and eventually he comes over. And he says, how long have you been working out? And I'm like, oh, God. This fucking Here we guy, go. <laughs> this fucking guy. I'm like, oh, you know, a while. No, but really, how long have you been working out? And then I'm like, okay, well, accurately, it's been about, you know, a year with Phil. <laughs> I've been working out for a year. He's like, wow, no way. That's awesome. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get continue continue my routine. <laughs> yeah. uh, have a good day. He walks away. Then I go to another side of the gym and I'm doing my sit-ups or my planks at this point. He comes over into in the middle of my plank. He's like, hey, I meant to say this earlier, but like, can I get your number? And I stop my plank. I pause my timer and I get up and I'm like, hey, I'm not interested. And I'm also married. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, this always happens to me. He says, it's like, wow, he's got a type. (laughs) He's got a type. And he walks away. And I just, I try to let things kind of just, you know, run off my back. What's the term? Like, just kind of move on with it. But I I was so angry. And maybe it was like all the endorphins from working out. But I was really, (laughs) I just got so frustrated that he interrupted me twice during my workout and hit on me. And this, in, in, I felt like in this environment that I am already a little bit less comfortable in, there's, there are almost only men around, right? I don't even, mm-hmm. I think at one point there was like one other woman there, but it annoyed me that he just felt like he could ask for my number there. And my question is, what the fuck, man? Phil, <laughs> I feel like there's, yeah. what do you have You're to say for yourself? Man, on behalf of all men. But this is the thing, right? Like, this is why women's gyms exist. It's like just to be away from the male gaze or just the opposite sex, right? Maybe men feel this way about women hitting on them in the gym. I don't know. No. They would be so lucky. Yeah. Um, I feel like so many people, I don't know if it's social media and technology, people got no game anymore. Like, it's very, (laughs) I'm I'm okay with public flirting, but like, it means like, you're looking at him. He's looking at you. He's, you're looking at him. Maybe you go to the water fountain and then like three <laughs> sessions later, maybe there's a, a quiet wave. And like, there's like that whole cute building, like give me some tension, give me some romance. And then maybe, right? Like right. for him to, like, it's so obvious. Your eyes are down. You have music and like 
for anybody to do that to anybody is disrespectful of yeah. the fact that they're very, they're very clear. You are showing closed body language. I'm not open to this. Yeah. And the, here's just like, I don't care how you feel or how you present. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want. Yeah. And so I think, I think a lot of people are like um, ignorant assholes. Like they're not trying to, maybe he was trying to be, but a lot of people are dicks and they don't know it. Yeah. So. What about a plank says, come on I think over. it honestly yeah. says right? like, I don't value what you're doing. Like it, it basically yeah. is like, you, my perception of you is that you are here for me to hit on and for me to notice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and like I have access. Yeah, and as a woman, mm. your workout is just a silly little thing that you're doing. I don't value what you're doing, oh as, you know, be, because I don't see, I don't see that as valuable to you. So I think it shows like just an extreme ignorance and like a, totally. a you know self-absorbed uh mentality totally yeah. self-absorbed just like it's your space he went in your space it's my space and and then there were two things i noticed i didn't have my wedding ring on because i don't <gasps> wear it when i'm lifting yeah, weights it's gonna mess up my ring so i'm like okay but then i'm like why should i have a signal right. and also I have probably wouldn't physical? have mattered that much honestly <laughs> it may not have mattered <laughs> And then this is the thing that I think really could have protected me. Headphones. If I had had headphones mm-hmm. in, I feel like that helps give off the I can't hear you, I can't see you maybe, energy. Maybe yes to both, but I'd say like you shouldn't have to yeah. need to have that. You should just be of course. But yeah, that you Of course I shouldn't, but this but yeah. shit's going to happen, is, yeah. right? Again, unfortunately, we're on BFBA, we aren't solving <laughs> Solving the problem of Sydney Sweeney and men at the gym. (laughs) There we go. Like we get, I'll get weird advances from all sorts of people, but I also probably don't ever have to deal with the fact of being scared. Like Mm -hmm. I'm bigger than anybody who's going to come. I, I mean, I've been described as the outsides of a grizzly bear and the insides of a Japanese anime girl. However, (laughs) they don't know that until they meet me. And so I've been, you know, proposed by every type of gender and like women I thought were like good married women and gay guys and everybody. I went on a gay date by accident once because I was just hanging out with a guy I didn't realize. And I'm not gay, but that's fine. But like, I'm just down with whatever chill guy. But uh, but I don't have that fear that anything could go wrong because right. the likelihood of right. them overpowering or drugging or what, you know, yeah. and it's yeah. a whole different world for you. But the point is, people should just respect your space. You didn't invite him over. Don't come over, bro. Yeah, I will say, though, Nikki, like we've gone through many an awkward situation in your life. You have a tendency mm-hmm. to um, not want to. Not that you're adverse to confrontation, but you you typically don't have like a short fuse. You try She's to too indir- nice. yeah, you indirectly like you know push the conversation in another direction. You're yeah. trying not to hurt anyone's feelings. I say kudos, I don't want that person to be kudos uncomfortable. to you though for the way that you acted in this situation. Yeah, like up just for yourself. just saying like mm. I'm not interested. I'm married and leave me alone. I like I think that that's the that's the Thank silver you. lining of this whole situation is that like yeah, it's unfortunate you were approached. You know why you were approached, but the fact that you were just like uh fuck off and I don't care if it hurts your feelings. 
I think is says a I lot. I wish I had said fuck well, off. Well, <laughs> I mean, by not saying fuck off, you didn't instigate like an aggressive situation. So I think it's great oh, that right, you didn't say right. fuck off and you said, I'm not interested. Because that's a Stevie would have been there to do be. it for you. Yeah. Yeah, I needed Stevie Nair. Arms. <laughs> <laughs> the next time I went to the gym, I forced Zach to come with me, and I was like, "We're gonna walk around to all this place, all the places this guy could be, and I need to, I want him to see us together." You're marking your territory. Then, <laughs> yes, and can I tell you something? I have never seen him again in my life. Great, that it's because Zach walked around with you, and he was very intimidating. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. That. Yeah, he saw Zach from afar and he was like, well, never yeah. gonna... Never gonna come back Zach's to this train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil, for joining us this week. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I had a blast. If people want to follow you or learn more about you, where can they go? So my social media for everything's trained by Phil, but I'm 99% on Instagram. Like I have a TikTok, a Twitter, whatever. I, I respond on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> It's age appropriate. appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Trained by Phil. Yeah. And uh, Phil at trainedbyphil.com, trainedbyphil.com. But Instagram is where you're going to find my content, my stuff. I respond to you. Um, and I'm I'm pretty active on he there. Does. Nice. I, well, I, I learned a lot today and I might play this back and take notes because I was, you know, too preoccupied to actually write down notes this time. <laughs> but like this has been <laughs> extremely helpful. So thank you again totally. for... Uh, yeah, thank you guys. My pleasure. Knowledge. Yeah, you are a wealth of knowledge, yeah. Phil. Thank you for coming. So great to see you. I appreciate you, you too. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya. And thank you for listening to Best Friends Back All Right. You can catch brand new episodes every Friday. Make sure to follow so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a review. You can follow at Mythical Pods on TikTok for clips to share with family and friends. You can follow me everywhere at Nagin and Stevie everywhere at Stevie W. Levine. And of course, you can hear me every Monday through Friday on Good Mythical Morning with Brett and Link at YouTube.com slash Good Mythical Morning. I'll see you there.